Hello and welcome to episode two of When Life Gives You Lemons, Go Vegan. This is a podcast that seeks to celebrate and share people's incredible stories of recovery as a result of them adopting a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based lifestyle. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2004, and my symptoms got progressively worse until I went numb from the waist down in 2008. This was what finally pushed me to commit to adopting a whole-food, plant-based diet, and I've been symptom-free ever since. My background was in English teaching and social work, but now as a certified health coach, I'm passionate about supporting people to adopt a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based lifestyle for themselves to see what is truly possible from this way of eating. In 2004, I thought there was no hope left for me. The aim of this podcast is to spread a new message of hope to those that might think there is none. Because there is. This week's episode is with Alana Kay, who survived a crippling condition where cysts were growing over her internal organs, drastically impacting upon her quality of life. Alana discovered a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet, which then saw her make a full recovery and reclaim her life from this terrible condition. We'll hear her story and also talk to her about how she made the change and her journey along the way to a better life. I hope you enjoy episode two. Hi, Alana. Welcome. Nice to meet you. So... I want you to just introduce yourself and give us, our listeners and everyone a spiel about your story. Tell us your story and who you are. Okay, well, my name's Alana. Um, I'm from Narrawarren in Melbourne, born and bred. Suffered from interstitial cystitis or IC disease since I, I'm 20, 27 now, so seven, seven years, but diagnosed for five years. I've been eating plant-based for just over three years and it absolutely changed my life and I'm really, really excited to talk with you about that today. Oh, thank you so much for sharing with us. That's amazing. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So tell us more about, how do I pronounce it? So it's interstitial cystitis. I can barely spell it myself. So if you can imagine um, my internal organs grow cysts on the inside as well as the outside of each organ, um, which can be quite problematic as, as specifically with my bladder. So my bladder is the one that really suffers. So if you imagine if you had a cyst on your hand, anything that you would digest if you put that particular type of food on your hand, the, the pain that would be on your hand is pretty much on the inside of my body, um, which causes a lot of other uh, other issues and other symptoms and it kind of creates this painful umbrella in inside my my moving and working mechanism that I need to function so uh, it's something that I need to take care of unfortunately there's no cure and uh, it's quite it's not the rarest illness in the world but it is pretty rare so there isn't much funding for it and it's quite difficult to diagnose as well um, so you just end up with this, a little bit of a question mark and a pat on the back and then sent home. I'm very lucky because I have an incredible family and incredible supportive partner who's now my husband-to-be who helped me, I guess, deal with that and get to where I am at this point with it, where I can. It's not completely healed, but I'm maintaining it on a level where I don't think about it anymore. It used to consume my whole life. Um, I was bedridden for years and uh, now I function like a normal human being, which is great. And I have plants to thank. That's the biggest part. I have plans to thank. Oh, that is so incredible. So you're saying you're bedridden for how long? 
On and off for, for about three years. So when I was first diagnosed, um, I still remember the morning I woke up. So previously I had had, I was an, a, just a normal, healthy 20-year-old. Mm. Previously I had had kidney stones, and which was painful. And I woke up one morning, I just started seeing my, my partner, and um, I woke up in bed the next morning and went, oh, my God, I've got kidney stones again. I can't believe it. And went straight to the hospital because I, I knew I knew that pain and I could recognize that pain. And they did the scans and said, we can't see them, so they must have passed already, so you're just going to have to pass them at home, go home. I went, oh, okay, cool, I know this is going to be over soon. So I went home and nothing was happening, nothing was coming out and sort of days went by and I went, this is, this is really painful, um, you know, I'm urinating blood, something's not right. So I was going back to the hospital and they're doing more tests and scans and then eventually it started to sink in that that pain wasn't going to subside. So I, I started seeking out other avenues and seeing different specialists and I spent, pretty much spent um, most of my, my savings on, on seeing specialists and trying to figure out this, this pain that I couldn't explain that I, I, I couldn't get it to disappear and it started consuming my whole life so I could no longer work. Um, I could, it, you know, it was difficult to walk. I constantly needed to pee, but when I did pee, either nothing would come out or it would feel like my entire body was just being cut open with razors. I couldn't sleep. I started getting really, really depressed. I was constantly fatigued. Um, no, no medicine was working, no pain. I couldn't get pain relief anywhere and I, I couldn't, I just wanted to be outside of my skin for just two minutes. I just needed this relief for two minutes, and this, and it went on for for years, for for two, two three years. And the, you know, there was points where, um, uh, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't use my legs. I couldn't walk because it, it hurt too much. And um, well, we ended up my my beautiful partner. There was months where he he pulled the mattress out from the bedroom and into the lounge room so I could lay next to the heater. And I pretty much just lived on the floor in my lounge room on this mattress and he would bring me food. When I needed to go to the toilet, he would have to pick me up and take me there, which was quite frequently. Sometimes I slept in the bathroom. Um, I was getting tests after test after test and operation after operation and, you know, um, exploratory surgery and stuff. And just no one could figure out what was going on. And I was being told that it was a, a mental thing, an anxiety thing, um, you know, I did have physical symptoms, but because no one could put their finger on it, they were saying it was a symptom for something else. And eventually, after being treated for things like, you know, polycystic ovary syndrome and all this different sort of stuff that just my symptoms weren't ticking all of the boxes. Mm. And I knew my, my instinct was telling me that, that that wasn't it. That was just an easy answer for someone to give me so I could, you know, go home and, and say, oh, look, I've got a label. But it just, it wasn't right. And Troy... Troy, my partner, would spend, you know, he, would, he was our income, so he would go to work and then come home. And while I was sleeping, which was most of the day, um, he would just spend hours and hours and hours online on different medical forums and talking to other, other people and other doctors and all sorts of stuff. And he found something called interstitial cystitis. And at that point, I was lucky enough to um, be seeing, I had 11 specialists at the women's hospital. We, we would always go in with different information. So my next appointment there, 
he said like, hey, I, you know, I found this, check it out. And they sort of looked at it and went, yeah, that sounds good. You know, we'll do some more exploratory surgery and we'll figure it out. And sure enough, found this diagnosis called IC or interstitial cystitis, which was exciting at the time because I did the label and, you know, I want this mysterious lump of crap on the floor. I could, you know, maybe do something, even though I knew there wasn't a, a cure, I could do something. I started a, a pain management plan, which the women's hospital, who were fantastic, um, they put me on. So I had a chronic pain management team, like a physio, a vulva doctor, a gynecologist, a urologist, a sex therapist, all these sorts of stuff. And they were all coming together and trying to help me. And there are a few great things with, you know, different physio exercises and stuff, but a lot of it was medication. And um, I think at one point there was 14 pills a day, which... I, I was told that I needed to be taking to, to function. And I knew, I knew in my heart again, like I've always been big on listening to my instinct. That's one thing that's never been taken from me is my instinct. And I knew that that wasn't something that was going to be good for me. And I, I remember looking at all of these pills in front of me. I never, you know, I never even popped Panadol before then. I didn't like it. Um, I remember looking at all these pills in front of me and thinking that I had I, I had two choices. I had this pathway that I could take where I could be on these pills for the rest of my life or I could somehow figure out this other, this other option. I knew that there had to be another option. I wasn't going to just give myself to these pills. You know, there's only so much you can sit on the couch and watch Dr. Phil all day before you start to get really depressed. And I didn't want my, my life to become that. So I went on, I went on every single diet under the sun um, you know, I used to meditate a lot, which is great. And to this day, I still do it. I tried every gimmick before I was diagnosed with IC. I used to drink a buttload of alcohol, which I don't do anymore. And I, I found out after my diagnosis that that is the worst thing that you could do. I tried just anything that I could get online, like even different bath salts, because I mean, the, the, the pain that the, the IC causes, so all of my all of my muscles in my, my pelvis were like concrete, which is one of the reasons why I would struggle to pee. But it also meant that, you know, I couldn't have sex or, um, you know, I couldn't stretch my body or I, there, there was just all these different things that I, I couldn't, you know, walking down the street would be really hard if I was not fatigued enough to actually get up and go out of the house. And um, it didn't hurt too much to use my legs. After a while, my whole body would be so sore that I would have to go back home. Um, or I would need to spend a couple hours in the toilet, which I can't do at the shop, so I have to go back home. I tried tried everything under the sun. I tried different medications. I tried, you know, the doctors were even giving me, I didn't like to take pills, and I was always pretty big on that. So they would, um, they made me um, a cream that I could, that had the medicine in it that I could put on my skin as if that was supposed to be like, look, you're not putting it in your mouth, but it's, mm. still, it's still fine. So I'd bathe myself in that. And then... I got myself to a point, I was taking some pills, not all, just focusing on what I was talking about with Ukraine before my, my purpose, which was my, the things that bring me joy in life. So obviously my family, my, my partner and my, my work, which is my work surrounded by my, my passion. So I, I got myself to a point where I just focused a lot on that and I could get myself working one or two days a week. And I'm lucky enough to work for myself. So if I needed to cancel, I could. And I wasn't doing it for the money, even though we had none. I was doing it just to kind of bring myself to a point where there was some sort of positivity in my life. Mm. and something that I could, mm. you know, I could wake up for. I found my, a really good friend of mine, Peter, who's been a vegetarian his whole life. He suddenly turned vegan. And I was talking to him about it one day. And it was like all of these pennies just dropped in my head. And I went, hang on. 
I've always really, you know, I've, I've loved animals my whole life. You don't eat them and, and you're still alive. You know, <laughs> we hear all these things about how not eating meat is uh, detrimental for your health and can't survive off it and need to take all of these supplements and blah, blah, blah. And I remember looking at him and going, you know, you're almost 30 and you're, you're still alive and you're, you're much healthier than I am. Like, look at me and then look at you. And so I started asking him all these questions. And at, at that point, healing myself from interstitial cystitis didn't even come into my head. It was more about being a better person, I guess. You know, my love and joy for animals. And then I started researching a little bit more and went, hang on a minute, this is really good for your health. And that there's all of these really important educated people standing up and saying, hey, this is really important for your health, you know, reason A, B, C, D, whatever. And I gave it a shot and within weeks it, it just changed my life. It totally changed my life. <laughs> and I could say goodbye to every single pill. I no longer see any doctor. I don't have any specialist. I just eat plants and love myself. <laughs> I love hearing that. It's such a great story. Thank you so much. I can't even imagine feeling that way, like your body's, you know, I, I do know what, I feel like your body's failing you, but feeling... Hey, you know what that feels like. I know what that feels like, but I mean, like with that pain, like I didn't have much, I had chronic pain from fibromyalgia, but it was more of a tendon, like sore spots all over you. That kind, I know like having like a UTI or whatever feels really painful. And I imagine that what you had is like that times a gazillion. It is so funny you say that because it feels like you have a constant UTI infection, um, but a bad one. Like, you know, the ones that go up into your kidneys and whatever else. And it comes with this, it comes with this guilt that you have as well, because you, this thing that I've got, it, it's not going to kill me. It's not cancer. It's not MS. It's not this huge this huge health issue that's going to, you know, it's not going to kill me. And there's people out there that have that. But then you come you come with this guilt because I, I remember one time in particular laying in bed, probably in one of my darkest hours and thinking, I, I just wish, I wish this was one of those diseases that was going to kill me so I could see, I could see an end or because you just want to, you just want to escape your skin just for a couple of seconds. You just want to be able to take a breath. It's like being underwater and you're 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 choking you're drowning but you can't you can't take a breath mm. but you're, you're not going to die either you're just mm. in this this horrible horrible limbo land but there, there there's a way out and I'm really 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 grateful and blessed that I found it and I can't believe how easy it was and I can't believe that it had to come from a friend of mine and this vibe and idea in my lounge room as opposed to all of these doctors and specialists and you know countless seminars anything uh, anything in the medical profession or field we've we've been there we've done it we've seen it we paid for it and I I didn't get the results that I got just from this idea of loving myself and trying to be trying to be a, a better person for the for myself the animals the environment you know the list and the list, the list goes on I couldn't believe that 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 was my answer but it was Oh, it's so it's so incredible. Like I, I like I'm like a Cheshire cat. I'm always so excited when I hear other people who've had this experience because people just people just don't realise how powerful what we put into our mouth is. It's quite spiritual, which is why people think that vegans are like religious cults, you know. Um the reason why is because like we just know how how wonderful it feels and you wanna spread that joy and that 
yeah. feeling everywhere. And people are like, la, 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 I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it. And I'm like, I probably, 20-year-old Corinne wouldn't have wanted to hear it either, but it just feels so good and it feels, it's so good for the animals and it's so good for the planet. Like, it's a win-win-win. And, and I, I love, I love seeing the light in your eyes because I, I, I can see that you get it and you, that, that joy that you have, it, it is so unexplainable and you do, you just want to give that to, to everybody and go, hey, I have this. Like I found this treasure chest. <laughs> I'm gonna share it with you. And you sound crazy, but I totally do. <laughs> I remember reading when I first because like you Corinna, be, I become obsessed with ideas pretty quickly. So once this kind of plant based concept came into my life, all I did was read about it and think about it and research and um, learn as much as I can and it was exciting and stimulating for me. And I remember this one article in particular where someone was talking about not putting death into their body and how great that that felt. And at the time, that just kind of went over my head. You know, I was new to this concept. I didn't really understand the way that it was going to change my life. And I remember thinking, that's a little bit hippie, but whatever. And now, years in, that's probably my my favorite thing about it. Obviously, apart from the way I feel, but because you, you are, you're not putting anything negative into your body. And that, that's such a big thing for me on so many levels. You know, I'm putting things into my body that grow from the ground that are a gift from the earth and I'm not, there, there's no there's no death in my body. There's no fear in my body. It's just nurturing and love and the, the things that I was supposed to put in my body and I, I feel the way that I do because I'm doing what I was built and supposed to do and I, it, it does, it feels so good and you just want to tell everybody. <laughs> radiate joy all the time it's so good it's so good just wanted to ask you what your diet was like before you went plant-based because a lot of people find that they're like they say things like i can't get rid of cheese cheese is the best you know bacon 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 for me i'm always i always think i used to love cans of v cigarettes and Anything out of a Bay-Marie, I would say. Anything out of a Bay-Marie is my friend. And so and I can so completely can empathize with them, but they still think once you've been vegan for a while, they still they think that you're not crazy, but they but they find it hard to like resonate with you cuz they think that you're somehow a special type of person who has always eaten this way and cannot ever imagine loving cheese and bacon and chocolate and junk food. So I'd love to hear what you used to eat like before you made the transition. I always ate pretty healthy. Um, so when I was when I was born, I had some issues with my, my bowels, which I think freaked my, my mum out. I could never poo, which now I can poo all the time and it's the best. So my, my mum always instilled to me what she thought healthy foods were. So I did eat a lot of raw food and raw fruit and vegetables. Great. Um, we grew a lot of our own food, which was great. Mm. You know, but as I as I got older and, you know, was a teenager and started working on whatever, I, I did eat, you know, fast food and all that sort of stuff. I, I mean, I ate what I thought was really healthy. So, you know, for dinner, I would have like a chicken casserole with rice and some vegetables. And I would think, oh, you know, there's veggies in there. I've got, you know, my three meat and veg. I'm being really healthy. And for lunch, I would have, you know, maybe a a sandwich with cheese and bacon and chicken and lettuce and tomato. And I would think that that was a really healthy food and that I was doing my body justice. And, you know, we're we're told that from so many different avenues in our life that, you know, this this is a healthy food. So I stayed away 
from things like soft drink and mm. um, I didn't realise how much – I didn't think that I was consuming a lot of sugar until I realised later on after learning about nutritional diet how much sugar is actually in a lot of the things that I was eating, you know, but pasta sauce, healthy juices and stuff that I was mm. buying pre-made from the supermarket. And mm. so at the time I thought that I was being pretty healthy um, and I was probably eating the average Australian healthy diet until I decided to change it and boy, boy, did it my life change. So what does your diet look like now? Like how do you, what, is, what, what would a day in the life of Alana look like on your plate? That's a really good question. So in the morning, my fiancé and myself were pretty big on juicing and the Nutribullet is kind of like our baby. So everyone asks us when we're going to have babies, but uh, we're, we've got a cat and we've got a Nutribullet and that's enough. So in the morning, we fill the Nutribullet with whatever fruits we have in the fridge, um, you know, flaxseed, chia seed, all that sort of stuff, whatever's in the cupboard, it's really easy. Spinach, kale, anything that's growing in the garden, chuck it in there, cucumber, just as a really uh, boosting start to the day. Mm-hmm. And then I, for breakfast, I might have oats and almond milk with a little bit of maple syrup if I'm feeling sweet tasting and I want some some sweet taste in my mouth with some berries on the top. For snacks, I'm I'm addicted, like most people who eat a plant-based diet, I'm addicted to hummus. I probably go through at least a kilo a week, so I'll have hummus, carrot sticks, celery, all that sort of stuff. I love falafel, so for, for lunch yesterday I had a falafel kebab, so I had my fast Yum. food and I went to the kebab shop and I had my falafel kebab with hummus and chilli sauce and it was delicious. I generally stay away from a lot of the, the processed foods, like a lot of the faux meats and all that sort of stuff. You know, for dinner I might have, you know, black beans and veggies with rice or something, or I love Mexican, so I eat a lot of Mexican food. Me too. It's so good. It's the best. It's the best. So I make pasta. I love making my own pasta sauce. Mm. Um, one thing that I found too when I, when I turned plant-based is that I, I used to hate, hate cooking. I used to hate it. I was never good at it. I didn't enjoy doing it. And now I'm finding even grocery shopping is really fun because I go into the grocer and I, or the farmer's market and I look at all the pretty colors and I think, oh my God, I can make this with this and I can do this and I get to be creative and experiment. Mm. I, I do love dessert as well for dessert. I'll make, you know, some, some little cakes or I love cupcakes. I've got a girlfriend who's really, really good at dessert and she comes over a few times a week and she also eats plant-based, so we kind of experiment and make things together. She she showed me a couple of weeks ago how to make a, a lentil shepherd's pie, which is delicious. So that's probably my favourite meal at the moment. Mm. But for snacks, I, I just go into the fridge and I uh, it's very rare I eat something that's in plastic mm. now. Um, so I'll go into the fridge. I'll eat a whole carrot and it's not – I don't look at it me 10 years ago would have looked at that and gone, you're, you're, you're a freak. What are you doing? But now my body craves that sort of thing. I love opening up the crisper in the fridge and going, oh, cool. I'll just like munch on a whole cucumber or I'll just munch on, you know, some tomatoes. But my body craves that sort of thing. And now I'll look at a piece of chocolate. I could down a whole, prior to, to this, I could down a whole um, box of chocolates. And now I'll still crave chocolate, but I'll have one or two and I, I'm done. Mm. My body goes, cool. You've had enough. And I don't, I don't want to eat that anymore. Mm. Um, or I would have a whole box of donuts. Um, now I'll have half a donut and go, cool, I'm done. But my snack pretty much consists of 
lots of colours and lots of fun. I know when I'm eating something that's not too great for my body when it doesn't look like a rainbow because everything I eat looks like the rainbow. Oh, I love that. It's so good. It's so nice getting over. I think one thing that's a surprise benefit of this lifestyle, like your taste buds changing and not craving that high fat, high sugar, refined salt, refined sugar foods as much. Like I still do and I'll have a little bit every now and again. Like with my son, I'll have like a bit of donut with him or sometimes, you know, a bit of brownie or whatever, but like all vegan, obviously. But you just don't crave that really high, heavily processed foods like you used to? No. And I I know so many people that are constantly like on this new binge diet and trying to access that point where we're at. And it really doesn't take that much effort when you're putting the right foods in your system for your body not to want that anymore. Mm. It's been as long as I thought. And it was much you know, I mean, and that wasn't my intention either because I didn't mm. realise that was going to happen. Mm. Um, was my intention, it would have been way less harder than I once anticipated. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what would have been your main struggle with making the transition? Like what was the hardest thing for mm. you to, what did you want to hold on to the most? I loved cheese or I still love cheese. That would be one process thing that I probably eat maybe once every couple of days. Cheese was a big one for me. Um, I found replacements for stuff pretty quickly and I think I'm lucky to to have a lot of vegan friends or I did at the time when I, I first transitioned and they were really, really helpful because I'd look at a lot of things online and I could see, okay, there are replacements for everything that I was eating, but I didn't know which ones tasted bad because like anything, there's a good version and there's a bad version. Yeah. So getting advice from friends was really, really helpful. And it, it, it didn't take me long. I think it took me about three months to get into a rhythm. But the hardest thing, I think, was dealing with all of the questions and the crap from, from outsiders, from other, other people who couldn't really recognize what I was doing you know, some people are very curious, which is awesome, but some people just like to, uh, I guess, poke fun for whatever reason that makes them happy. And so now that's water off my back. It doesn't bother me. I actually quite enjoy confrontation I always have. And now that I'm feeling alive and I'm not fatigued and my, my mind is really stimulated, you know, I, mm. I would love to have a debate with you. I love talking and I'm full of information, so bring it on. <laughs> that was probably the hardest thing, dealing with stupid questions. Mm. What, what, why are you eating that? Why did you choose to eat that? Don't you want some of this bacon? Or, you know, the typical like, oh, if you were stuck on a desert island. Or, uh, just, uh, and it was just, it was really constant with me. It drove me a little bit insane. So I'd say as much as I missed normal cheese, well, someone once told me that, like, with those types of things, it's like the, the universe is, like, just testing your resolve, just gives you all this stuff to say, are you serious? Are you really serious? Are you really serious? <laughs> Here's this person. Are you really serious? And you're like, I'm really serious, man. Just stop. It's enough. Yeah. Are you allowed to have fish and egg whites with multiple sclerosis? It wasn't until I had my son that I went vegan. I just had this bing. But changing, if not only had egg whites and fish left, changing to vegan was a huge, for my family and friends and for everyone, was like I'd said, I like murdering people. Like, this is yeah. my new hobby. I'm going to start just now. Just watch your back. And like, you're saying something that's just so... I'm like, but I only, ha I only had fish and egg whites left. Like, it's just two things. Like, it's not really that big a deal, but it's a big 
deal. So foreign to a lot of people, and I feel like if you said, oh, I, I eat gluten-free now, um, or I'm celiac, or, you know, uh, I need a kosher meal, that people go, cool, no worries. But as soon as you say the V word, people lose their minds. They, they lose their minds. They do. I guess there are a lot of vegans who don't do the movement that much justice by being really ragey. And, un- yeah. and unforgiving. Sometimes everyone can get a bit ragey because, like, it's we love animals so much, and so you feel a bit ragey sometimes because it seems so easy to you after a while. You know, you seem so easy, and you're like, I can't identify with not being vegan, and why you wouldn't think that just not hurting a cute little cow is easy. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, just easy. Just have some more, more lentil here, shepherd's pie. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> So I can see why people get ragey, but I do think that the raginess definitely is one of the reasons why people are just like... It, it doesn't help the cause. And I think like with what you were talking about before, with the, the joy that you that you feel and that you just want to share it with everybody, I think the preachiness, I guess, comes from that particular space. And it, it, it is quite easy to get really obsessed with that space. That's but um, hips don't... People don't listen when you talk at them and people don't listen when you're when you're picking out their particular flaws. So I found what inspired me, like I was saying, was when I was talking to my friend and he wasn't telling me what to do, mm. um, but he helped me inspire myself to make my own decisions mm. and that's where it has to come from. And we have to just be loving and be the picture of what it is to be vegan. Happy, joyful, peaceful, healthy, vital. In saying that, totally guilty of getting on my soapbox like once a day and be like, you really should. <laughs> like, it's great. <laughs> or someone writes you a Facebook comment and you go, you know what? You're going to have it. <laughs> we're human. And, you know, humans, we just, we're multifaceted. I completely believe in leading a horse to water with peace and love and kindness and not with dragging them there, kicking and screaming. But every now and again, I'm flawed, and I can say some things that I regret. I love it. You said how long? It took you only a few weeks before you noticed results. Is that right? Yeah. It was pretty much instantaneous. The the first thing I noticed, one, was that I could poo, which was a really big deal. And (laughs) it's still a really big deal. It's still one of my favorite things. And uh, it's a dinner conversation that happens probably more frequently than it should. And my my skin, obviously from taking a lot of medication, not as much as I should have been, was affected. My I I looked I looked really dawn. I was very pale. I was purple. I had pimples. I had a lot of imperfections. Also because I was scared to hydrate myself because every time I peed, it you know oh, I was already experiencing yeah. a pain out of ten, and then I had to go and pee. <sighs> which would make it a thousand. So I avoided that at all costs. So I just didn't drink water because I was terrified of it. Totally terrified of it. I would swish it around in my mouth and then spit it back out because I didn't want to have it. My skin cleared up really, really quickly, which was a big thing for me. And I started to started to feel and look alive. That that really helped with my my confidence as well and knowing that, oh, okay, this, that this is um, doing something to me. Um, I didn't expect it to do something to me. You know, this is just something that I was doing to um, to make my morals feel good, I didn't realize that the the health benefits were so huge. There was a lot of particular foods that I had to stay away from, so anything really acidic. So I'm a huge, huge coffee lover. Mm. I could have a coffee and I wasn't in, I wasn't killed over an instant pain. Um, I could have a tomato. 
I started reintroducing these foods back and then I started to feel less fatigued all the time. And then I noticed that I started getting more stimulated by things and then I could start doing yoga and stretching and socializing more, which was just, you know, stimulating all these other parts in me that I was so excited. And that was really healthy for me too. And, I, you know, I started vibrating on a higher level again and feeling really good about myself. And then I noticed that I could work more and then I could have sex. And that was the best because it didn't, it didn't hurt so much and I could, have the, I could have sex the way I wanted to have sex. Yeah. Next thing I knew, I was working full time with a smile on my face, doing the things that I wanted to do. My pain levels were, were, were down and I, I, hadn't changed, I hadn't changed anything except my diet. And because of my diet, it allowed me to to do things that were really healthy for me to do. Like I was saying, um, you know, stretching, yoga, meditate, socialize is a really mm. big thing. Um, my passions, my hobbies, which was then obviously really healthy for me and helped me heal more so. And it just became this revolving cycle. And I, I remember um, working at an academy that I worked for before I ran my own business. And I, I got a new contract and I sat down to read it. And halfway through reading it, it was about three pages, I just burst into tears and they were looking at me like, oh, what's wrong? What, don't, don't you like the, the, the new contract? And I realized that I had sat for five minutes and I had read, I had read a couple pages because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't read in the, in the past because if I sat with myself for more than two minutes and I wasn't constantly distracted or fidgeting with something, I realized how much pain I was in and I had to move on and do something else. So I couldn't watch a movie. I couldn't sit down and listen to a record. I couldn't, um, you know, I couldn't read a book. And I, I was reading this contract and I, I, was ta- I was reading the words, but once I realized that I wasn't taking in the information anymore because I was too busy being so excited that I could, I could read something. And then I went home and started reading books and then I could watch movies and I could listen to my favorite records. And it just evolved and it all came from, from eating plant-based. So, but eating plant-based allowed me to do all of these things that could heal me to a point where I could, I could function and live the, the life that I wanted to live. Oh, that's amazing. My life is better because I've, I feel joyous on, on a, a deeper level and I feel like I operate from more of a, a grateful space. Because of the plant-based diet, I can now function and do anything that I could have ever dreamed of doing. And it all comes back to that moment that I had where I was looking at all of those pills and going, I could either take this path and sit on the couch for the rest of my life, or I could find this other option. And I almost exhausted myself finding this other option when it was really the whole time it was right in front of my face. (laughs) So I think my life is better in every single aspect because anything that I could think of comes back to eating the plant-based diet. You, you said your favourite go-to snacks, hummus and vegetables. Any other favourite go-to snack? Probably berries. I'm a big berry eater. Big, big berry eater. I, I know I said before I really liked cooking, but I'm also pretty lazy. So when it comes to snacks, I will pretty much just eat anything that um, is in the cupboard on its own as a solo food. So yeah. I'd probably say tomatoes and berries and carrot sticks which is pretty boring because there are so many amazing snacks out there but they're my go-tos yeah 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 no that's good berries are delicious and so are carrots and tomatoes so that's really good 
What would be your three biggest tips to anyone who's wanting to try this lifestyle? Like, how would you, how would they start? What would be the three best things they could do to start? I'd say my beautiful fiancé, Troy, always says, don't let good be the enemy of great. So when you meet someone that goes, oh, I'd love to turn vegan, but um, I can't give up cheese. He would say, then turn vegan, but just don't, don't give up cheese. Give up everything else in your life, but still eat the cheese. So I think not letting good be the enemy of great, meaning that don't feel like you need to take over the world the next day when you wake up. Take your baby steps if you need to take baby steps. Do one thing at a time. Don't stress yourself over, you know, being vegan or being plant-based isn't about being the perfect human being. It's about doing the best that you can do at that point in time. Mm. So the best you can do is, um, you know, not eat meat on Monday and don't eat meat on Monday. Start there mm. and see how you go and then slowly take it from there and don't don't worry about it's not about what other people think or about you being perfect. You know, like you said before, it's not a, it's not a religion. It's not, there's not these, these strict rules that you have to follow. It's about you doing the best for, for yourself and your morals and your intentions. Tap, tap back into that and re- remember that it, you can go one step at a time. I think the second thing is not worrying about what other people think. Everyone will tend to have an opinion on on what you're doing and you'll you'll hear you'll hear a lot of people talk to you about things like iron and protein protein is this big word that a lot of people throw around and if you start to do your own research and actually figure out what these words mean and what they are you can have a conversation with these people because a, a lot of people who have negative opinions and throw out these words generally don't understand what those words mean themselves so not only are you one, shutting out that negativity, but two, you can also educate others and, you know, they can get their iron and protein wherever they choose to get it. But a lot of people just throw around these these words. So if you're armed with your own education and knowledge, that's going to help you a lot and make you feel more confident about your choices as well. Mm. And three, learn to cook and don't limit yourself to Coles and Safeway. So in Melbourne in particular, there are some really great places where you can access a lot of different types of foods a lot of probably new foods that you've never had before or you know if you're wanting to substitute something that you really miss there are a lot of good substitutes there are some really bad ones as well but there are good ones out there I promise you get on google find these places I mean Whole Foods in Nari Warren uh, not Nari Warren Fentry Gully is awesome Crank Convenience there's uh, millions of places in the CBD where you can not only just eat out and try new things but also experiment with with stuff at home but if for anything that you like there is a substitute and you will find one that tastes good so don't don't stress yourself out about never having that taste again or just having to eat bland bland tofu and almonds for the rest of your life because you don't have to do that there there are other options and look for them you've got access to them to go and ask other ask other vegans network get online talk to talk to others because everybody has this joy that we were talking about before and everybody wants to share it. And if someone's open to receiving that joy, you're going to get bombarded with information from other people because we all want to help each other out. That's great. All good. They're three great tips. Community is such a huge one and learning, asking questions and finding places and resources and finding those flavours again. Yeah. For me, I just I started obsessing over how to make cake, taste like cake. <laughs> Like when I first went vegan, I was like, I really wanted just a cake. And yeah, like now I don't care as much. But then I, when I first went vegan, I was like, 
how can I live without cake? I really loved cake. And then I was, now you can just get cake. That's just, it's easy to make a vegan cake taste like cake. <laughs> it's all those little things where you have that freak out moment and go, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to eat that anymore. And then you find out that there's thousands of different types of substitutes. Mm. You go, oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> I remember probably last year, it had been, not that I ate it very, very often, but it had been years since I'd had McDonald's and it was sort of four in the morning. We were hungry. We'd had a big night out because I can do that now. We went into McDonald's and I, I think the woman thought I was crazy because I, I ordered a, a cheeseburger with no cheese, no meat, no pickle, extra mustard, and they could put a hash brown in the middle. I was very polite about it because I think if you're going to change someone's menu, manners goes a long way. Putting that sugary, disgusting bleached bread into my mouth, just that feeling, I, I hadn't tasted that in so long and I went, oh yeah, I remember this. <laughs> and, you know, 20 minutes later, I felt really sick. Yeah, yeah, it's gross. Anything like that into my body for a long time, but that moment, that was precious. I was salivating and I went, oh yeah, I remember this, this is the best. Yeah, so I mean, like, you can, like, if you want every now and again to have McDonald's, you can find a way. You just have to figure it out. You've got to be creative and polite, and you can you can pretty much eat anywhere. Mm, it's really true. And if you can't, there's always a salad. It's always a salad. So now I just want you to talk about what you do. Like, you said that you're a vocal coach, so I just want, if you want to tell everyone a little bit about your vocal coach and tell us where, they, where we can find you and follow you on social media and spread your vocal awesome. coach word. So I am a uh, vocal coach and music teacher based at Nari Warren. You can check out www.alanakvocal.com. Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff is the same. So A-L-A-N-A-K vocal, all one word. I specialize in teaching contemporary style vocals. So anything that's got expression. So I, I get... I get a lot of the weird ones, so I have a lot of death metal artists or I have some really intense jazz artists. And every everything that's in between, so anything that's involved with expression and extreme and just kind of bringing, bringing the voice out from the, the typical norm, I guess, is around what, what I do. Um, very, very heavily technique-based, lots and lots of homework, but I, I just absolutely love it. So I teach out of my, my home five days a week. I teach full-time. I also do performance coaching at a college. I do vocal coaching in, in studios. I do lots of workshops, songwriting workshops, technique workshops, voice workshops. Anything surrounding the voice, I, I'm in it and I'm there. I just love it. I love it so much. Oh, that is amazing. That's so exciting. I'm going to be in touch with you because it's amazing. Please do. Come and see me. So that was alanakvocal.com. Okay, and that's the same right. for your social media? Everything. Alanakvocal.com. Yeah. Okay, so that's on Facebook, everywhere else? Anywhere everywhere else? else. Twitter, Instagram. Instagram, Snapchat. 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 I don't really know how to use it, no, but I have it. Me too. <laughs> Mainly Facebook, Instagram, and um, the website. Alana K. Vocal. I think that's it. But I just wanted to, I just wanted to thank you for for putting all of this together and realizing that there, there's people out there that have these 
these stories about plant-based diet and what it can do for you because it can it can heal you and it can help you on so many levels and it's not really spoken about as much as it should be and I, I think that it's really precious and exciting that you're building this community and getting more people together to come and talk about something that they wouldn't usually talk about to uh, to inspire others and kind of put the word out there that hey this is really 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 good for you in so many different ways and um you know be, be open to giving it a shot because it, it can change your life it can it really can so i hope i hope that people listen and i hope that we'll listen to the podcast and then read the book and that it goes really well so thank you so much for sharing giving me your time and talking to me and sharing your story with us because it was incredible to listen to and i hope that that there's bound to be someone who's in pain and who's in a similar position to where you were and hopefully they hear it and they can go, oh my gosh, if it can work for one person, why not? I mean, that's all I really hope was if it can work for one person, why not try? You know, like if it's, it's just plants. Out there, it's just plants. And the same thing is working for all these different types of illnesses yeah. and diseases. So yeah. if you are that one person, give it a shot. Open up, reach out and and give it a shot. Really hope that it does. That, that this book does really, really well for you. I think it will. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Wow, what an incredible story from Alana. You can contact Alana via www.alanakvocal.com if you'd like to learn more about what she does and how to work with her in the future. You can also find her at Facebook handle Alana K Vocal. That's www alanakvocal.com if you'd like to learn more about what she does and also Facebook handle Alana K Vocal A-L-A-N-A-K-V-O-C-A-L Thanks so much for listening. Next week we have Mark and Kim from Chickpea and Bean on the podcast to tell us about their experience with a low-fat plant-based whole food diet and how it radically transformed their health and life for the better. See you next week.